Hi, this is Ari Mizell with the Less Doing Podcast, and we're on today with Steve Robbins, the Get It Done Guy for uh, the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast series. Hi, Steve. Or... Hello. <laughs> Hi, R.E. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, first of all, uh, the, you know the the Get It Done guy is you know the five to you know five ish minute podcast basically about tips to to do you know more things more productively basically. So, how did you get started with that? You know, it, it's it's really quite funny. Uh, I wrote a fan letter to Grammar Girl. I had a business podcast that I had been doing on my own, and I discovered Grammar Girl, who made grammar fun. And I thought, I want to make business fun because for some reason, business is really boring, even though all, most of us spend most of our time doing it. And I wrote her and said, if you'd ever like a business pod- podcaster, I'd love it if you'd consider me. Um, she happened to be going into a meeting to decide on who the next podcaster should be for her channel, the Quick and Dirty Tips Network. And she gave me a chance to audition and then said, what topic do you want? And I said, well, something business-related. And I had, a, I had a number of different choices. And the one that was least related to my business was personal productivity. But it was something that I thought would be fun. And I thought there were a lot of possibilities. And since, since I've, I am in personally just a personal productivity freak <laughs> in my own life, and I'm always thinking about how to optimize stuff, um, I figured I would have a wealth of content. So I proposed the idea to her, and she loved it. And that was how it came to be. That, that's great. I, you know, and, it's, and uh, it's funny. The reason it's, that I like personal. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the reason that I like personal productivity is that I'm fundamentally a lazy person, and I work very, very hard at developing systems so that I don't have to work hard in the future. That, that's a, that's an excellent reason. Um, it's I, I I can definitely appreciate that you say that you're a productivity freak. Um, that's uh, kind of how I would describe myself as well. One of my favorite podcasts of yours actually was um, I think it was over the summer this past summer, and you were talking about your favorite. Uh, programs and gadgets and you know I kind of thought going into the podcast it was going to be like three or four top things but it ended up being like 20 programs which is great like program launchers and and uh, um, text shorteners and things like that Um, so obviously the the productivity freak is probably understatement (laughs) you know I I I have no choice but to own that since I've already done that publicly. Uh, You're right. When I sat down to do that episode, I thought I was going to talk about three or four different tools. And for a couple of days, I just watched my own behavior and I made note of which tools I was using and what I was using them for and realized my my own personal productivity suite probably includes a good 20 programs. And so I put them all in the podcast and said, okay, everyone, here you go. You really want to know what my life is like? Get to know these pieces of software because that's where a lot of my life is spent. That's that's awesome. So now, what's the number one productivity problem that you do? I mean, it's hard to call it a problem because of your uh, abilities, but what is the biggest like time suck for you every day that you actually are successful at dealing with? That I'm successful at dealing with? Yes. Um, well, you know, <laughs> there's two. One that I'm successful, one that I'm not. The one that I'm successful at dealing with is social media, and the one that I'm not successful at dealing with is email. Really? That's interesting. So, so e- email is usually like the, you know, the number one thing that us productivity gurus kind of like get down. But obviously, 
the more that you do this and the more your podcast comes, becomes more popular, I'm sure that the number of emails grows exponentially. Why do you think that email is a problem for you? The reason it's a problem for me is twofold. One is it takes time and mental energy to triage emails. And I get them at such a rate that when I'm finished responding or triaging to one and look back at my inbox, there's already two or three new ones showing up, which now need to be triaged. So it keeps my brain constantly engaged with, oh, as soon as I triage this one, then I'll be done and can move on from email to my next task. But it's easy for me in the moment to get hooked on whatever the next one is. And the other big issue with email is, um, uh, is so it, it comes in constantly. That's, that's one big problem. The other one is it is very difficult to, to know how much payoff there is to answering any given email. You know, it's, I do know, hey, there's another human being who wants to talk to me. Oh, goody, let me talk to them. But other than that, is this something that's actually going to make me money? Is this something that's going to deepen an existing friendship? Etc. Etc. And when I can stop myself and ask those questions, then I can be very efficient for email during a day. My most efficient email days are when I actually live up to my email signature. My email signature says I only check email once a day. My most efficient days, I check email once, usually sometime in the mid-afternoon, make a list of all the to-do items that come out of those emails and archive them all. And then I just act on that list and ignore any new emails that show up while I'm going through and processing all of the to-do items that came from the previous day's batch. The days that it's worst is when I accidentally leave the email program open, so I get hooked in the cycle of seeing something new come in and thinking, oh, I'll just deal with that because it will only take a second. <laughs> and, of course, eventually one comes in where I think it'll only take a second, and, of course, it takes 20 minutes, and now I'm completely knocked off my, my, completely knocked off my stride for the rest of the day. Okay. So, well, that, that's definitely good information. Um, and, but so then for the successful one, which is social media, what is your like number one savior when it comes to dealing with social media? Uh, my number one savior, interestingly enough, is how many Facebook friends I have, which means every time I look, someone who I don't know and don't care about is posting something on my wall. And it lets me have this momentary thought of, wait a second, who is this person? Why am I reading about what they had for lunch? And <laughs> that one tiny interruption is just enough for my forebrain to grab control and say, wait a second, you know, this whole endeavor is not particularly useful to you. If you want to get closer to your friends, pick up the phone or email them and say, let's get together tomorrow night and get closer to them in person. And if you want to do marketing, get serious about doing marketing, decide how much time you're going to spend, what you're going to invest, and then actually time yourself and allocate that time and, you know, go in and really either just do the social media so that you're making, you're having the presence you want and then get out or don't go in today at all because it's not serving any purpose for you. And it's the, it's the existence of people I don't care about, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> that helps me reorient around that because they send me messages or well they don't send me messages I mean they're posting whatever their life is and I'm just going what the heck and that what the heck is just enough of an interruption for me to realize wait a second I've gotten sucked into something that that was not necessarily relevant that that's really good I mean that, that's that's a really good point because you know the those little um mnemonics or self-reminders or self-talk that get us to like stay motivated and stay on task are, are always really good um, so you also do uh, personal mentoring and executive coaching, I know. So I mean, how did that come about? And uh, what was one of your you know, favorite projects, I guess? 
Sure. That came about because I was working as an employee at a company and was not happy with what I was doing and hired a coach to help me figure out what I loved doing. And what I loved doing, my very first job as a manager, which was long enough ago that I'm not going to say when, but it was quite a while ago, I used to love sitting with my with, with the guys who worked for me, and they were all guys, and brainstorming how they could build the skills they needed for their career, how they could then position themselves to make themselves successful. And when they needed something that I knew about, I would sit down and literally just arrange teaching sessions. I used to work for Intuit back before Intuit was a big company, and I would run sessions for the programmers in how to do double-entry bookkeeping, since that was our business. And I realized that's what I loved the most. And after hiring this coach, she said, you know, I actually think that, that what you might want to do is what I do. You might want to think about doing coaching. And I tried it and loved it. Spent most of the last, uh, spent much of the last 13 years doing coaching and mainly in the business context, leadership skills, interpersonal communication skills. And then I went through another similar reevaluation a couple months ago and realized the part that I love the most, and this happened with my very first coaching client ever, my very first coaching client was a project manager, and I, I helped prepare her to, be, to, to go up the ladder. She ended up being a member of the executive team at her company, decided she didn't like that, and wanted my help in framing her leaving so that she could leave without it seeming to be a failure, you know, while that she was leaving for voluntary reasons. She then went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and sent me a, a picture of herself from near the summit that said, here I am, I couldn't have, couldn't have made it this far without you. And that was the, that has always stuck with me as one of the, my proudest moments as a coach. And I realized that the thing I really enjoy helping people do is break outside their box and do the stuff they never had the courage to do before. And when I look at my own life, you know, the thing, one of the things I'm happiest about, which if you follow me on Facebook, you know about this, I've been writing, co-writing a musical with a friend of mine who is actually a musical theater composition instructor at NYU. So be you a know, real composer. He does real serious musical theater. We are co-writing a one-man musical based on the Get It Done Guy about personal productivity. It is the world's first musical about personal productivity, and it contains tips from my books. And I'm taking sight singing lessons, regular singing lessons, um, and, and acting so that I can perform this. And I'm realizing this is what I'm going to tell my grandchildren about. Whether or not it makes any money, I'm going to say, you know what? I did this totally wacky, off-the-wall thing. I wrote a musical about personal productivity, and it was a good musical. You know, and what my client is going to say to her grandkids, she's not going to say, oh, I remember back when I climbed the corporate ladder and ended up in the executive suite. No, she's going to say, here's a picture of me at the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro. And that's what I love doing. So now I'm really shifting my business to be about coaching people to lead extraordinary lives. And I do want to emphasize, for some people, that may mean building a business. I've also had business had clients, I had a, a worked with a musician who had a small web business and he really wanted to learn business skills so that he could grow it into a larger business. Uh, and that's what we worked on together. He ended up becoming acquired by a billionaire and and made the CEO of a company to do a roll-up of all the royalty-free music sites on the internet. And he ended up being CEO of a large corporation. And one of the key pieces of that was the work we did together, helping him master the business skills. But the reason that worked for me was because that was his dream. So happy to do business if it's your dream. Um, but what really turns me on is the, is the helping people achieve a life that they will talk to their grandkids about that's when really, they have them. That's or if they don't have them, they'll be that strange person on the park bench talking to anyone else's grandchildren. <laughs> and that, I mean, that, that's really awesome. And it sounds just so rewarding and gratifying. And I love the story about Kilimanjaro. That's, that, you know, going from being in a, a, an, an unpleasant career to 
doing something like climbing a mountain. That's, that's a nice uh, full circle. Um, so the, the, one of the things I also want to just kind of finish up with talking about is, you know, it, it, the less doing framework, as I've mentioned to you before, is looking at any problem with a, uh, the, with a three-step process of optimize, automate, then outsource. And, you know, we apply that to a problem, you know, down the line. But basically, can you give me an example where you optimize, another example where you automate, and another one where you outsource uh, in your, you know, regular uh, dealings? Absolutely. As far as optimizing goes, I am a huge user of keyboard macros and text expansions. Mm-hmm. So there are programs on desktop like text. I use the Mac, so I use Text Expander for the Mac. And the iPhone has a built-in text expansion. You have to hunt for it. It's buried. It's buried in the settings. But if you go into General Keyboard and then scroll all the settings, General Keyboard, then scroll all the way down, there's a little thing that says shortcuts. You can actually define two or three letter abbreviations for much longer phrases. Um, this is huge for me. It means that any device that I'm on, I can compose a a reasonable English language, professional sounding and reading message very quickly. And then when I'm doing things that involve large chunks of repetitive text or I need to do pieces of something that, you know, I need to do patchworks, I just define keyboard macros for the parts that I'm going to need to use over and over and just bam, 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 I, I can put them in. So that's an example of how I optimize. Um, but then it's also sort of an example of how I automate, I guess, to some degree. But another example of automation, let me think about this for just a second. Um, well, you know, I certainly automate things like my backups. I have automated backup software, which mm-hmm. runs on a regular, uh, regular occasion. But it kind of doesn't count to automate stuff that's already on machine. So let me come up with a good example of something that's not on machine. Um, Soho says, U27 MLK weekend offer and January events. Sorry about that. Excuse me? <laughs> that was, uh, Chrome, That's okay. Chrome was reading um, my email. Sorry. Um, uh, let's see, automation. You know, I, um, well, you know what? Let me give you a, a more general answer. Virtually any time I have to do something I've never done before, I keep track of all the steps involved in doing it. This last week, I announced a program that I'm doing on January 20th, which is going to be a goal-setting. It's going to be a day-long virtual seminar where we go through understanding your life mission, what your major strategic projects are that you're working on, how that comes down to tactics, all the way down to here's my to-do list for the day, and then here's what I want to stop doing, start doing, and change for 2012. So it's a, it's a day of aligning your life and then turning it into specific behavioral changes for the beginning of the year. And... Um, as I was setting this up, I was creating shopping cart codes so that I could track which, which advertising sources was bringing me greater numbers. And here's the URL for the version of the sales page that is directed towards my Twitter followers. But here's the URL for the sales page that's directed towards my newsletter subscribers. And it was so complicated that I simply started writing it down step by step. And then once I was done, I looked at it and realized that I could put together a grid that contained all of those steps and check things off when they were done. Now, next time I go to do that, I, create, I actually created the grid using a program called Bento on the Mac, which is a database. I created the grid in such a way that any time I want to run an online seminar now, all I do is create a new record in Bento. It already has pre, 
existing checkboxes for every step of the process. And all I'll need to do next time is create the record, look through, and just execute the step, the checkboxes in sequence. And I will automate any of those that can be automated. But meanwhile, I've automated the process itself such that I don't have to rediscover it. I don't have to think about it again. And if I do discover that there are steps that are missing, next time I'm going through it in Bento and I discover there's a missing step, I can just add the step to my Bento database right then and there. And then the time after that, that step is now incorporated into the automation and I can do it smoothly. And this leads to the third thing, which is outsourcing. Once I have created this here is how to put on an online webinar checklist, I can then hand that over to a virtual assistant, and I do have one, and she then executes the checklist for me in the future. I might have to walk her through it once or twice so that she knows how to log in or how to create an outgoing email blast, but once she knows how to do it, the tool that allowed me to automate in the first place now allows me to outsource to her. And I just don't have to think about it anymore. All I say is, hey, Jennifer, I'm going to do this program on this date. Could you go ahead and run our standard how to put on a webinar? And poof, the next thing you know, she executes the steps and writes back and says, hey, it all worked except for step number three. Can you, I, I need this additional piece of information. And then I tell her and we're done. So it's, it's very cool. Yeah, that, that's perfect. That's exactly what the kind of you know, things I was looking for. Um, so I know that you got to go, but um, I really appreciate your time. I encourage everybody to check out the Get It Done Guys Guide to, well, getting things done. Um, get It Done Guys Quick and Dirty Tips to Work Less and Do More is the, is the full name of the podcast. Yeah. And then is there anything else that you're working on right now that you just want to mention before we sign off? Well, you know, the big thing is January 20th. I'm doing a, an all-day goal-setting day. You can find out about that at steverrobbins, S-T-E-V-E-R-R-O-B-B-I-N-S dot com forward slash New Year's 2012, N-E-W-Y-E-A-R-S 2012. And, um, and I have a musical that we're doing a reading in New York next week, but uh, that's not open to the general public because we only have room for about five people in the audience. <laughs> so can't talk about that, but someday, someday I'll be able to say, we're opening on Broadway, and it'll be great. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. I really appreciate it, and um, take care. Get, get stuff done. Take care. Get, get, get. <laughs> Will do. Thank you very much, Ari.